the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Tonetti. It is Monday, January 8th. The regular season has officially closed in the NFL. I have 7,000 things I could bring to the table today. I don't want to give you a four-hour podcast. So here's, I think, the plan, as long as I can find time in my life. I'm going to keep things at about 35 minutes with the payrolls of playoff teams, where the highest paid players at every position kind of fell now that the regular season is over and the postseason is set. And because I'm obliged to, and it's really maybe the most interesting thing about the NFL this offseason, just a Dallas Cowboys rabbit hole to finish things off, right? Because Dak is coming, Mike is coming, and CeeDee Lamb can't get paid fast enough right now. And those three combined, that's not even it. There's plenty more to get to. And I'll do a deep dive once I finish my Dallas Cowboys offseason piece. But just as a precursor, on the surface, the brevity of those contracts alone, worth 10 minutes of my time at the end of this podcast. Um, I think I'm going to come back every day with something for you this week and just completely kick off this offseason properly because we are officially in the offseason for 18 teams. I've been in off-season mode since December 1st uh, with roster bubbles and starting these off-season pieces where I'm basically running through notable free agents, running through potential bubble players, and giving you a laundry list of how to save cap space for your team this off-season. That's been in my back pocket now for a while. I'm not close, but I'm going to really work hard on getting those up in their totality by the end of this week so that you can better understand where your team sits and maybe how bad or how good the cap situation is after a couple of moves get made. All right. The postseason is set. I'm going to start here with a cash conversation. So the cash payrolls for 2023, where did these playoff teams line up in terms of that? I can tell you right now, the top two are in. All right. Cleveland's one, Baltimore's two. One of those is a number one overall seed. The other number one overall seed, San Francisco, was sixth. If we just look at the top 10, it's Cleveland, Baltimore, Houston, Buffalo, San Francisco, Miami. Six of the 10 top cash payrolls in football last season made the postseason. That's good news. All right. You want teams that have to pay to play. The 32nd team in terms of cash in 2023. And one of the reasons that I was extremely down on this team, thought they were going down to get back up eventually, took the under in our over-under win totals with Cousin Dan. And here they are in the postseason, kind of easily, by the way, in the postseason. The Los Angeles Rams have the lowest cash payroll by a ton at 183 this year. And they are the number six seed in the NFC this year. That's easily the best value. Now, Tampa Bay's right there. So is Detroit. So is Green Bay. Those are three, those are four of the bottom five. Okay. That's where we sit right now in terms of value, value playing yourself into the postseason. It's a really, really great job by those teams. Now, Detroit's going to have to pay a quarterback. Tampa Bay's going to have to pay a quarterback. And I'm pretty damn sure Green Bay's going to have to pay a quarterback here, too. Los Angeles can kind of uh, operate on Stafford's deal for at least one more year, maybe two, if he doesn't want to hang him up because there's some uh, early guarantee roster bonus kicking in this March for for Stafford in 2025. But 
for the most part, really well-paid pa- cash payrolls are in, really low cash payrolls are in. And then, of course, you got your middle-of-the-road teams, Dallas 13, Philadelphia 12, uh, Kansas City 21, Pittsburgh 22 to pretty much round out all of the postseason teams. So funny how this works. This is not usual. This is not how things operate. Uh, this is more of a baseball conversation, generally speaking, where a couple of absolute bottom payrolls sneak in, especially now with expanded postseason. It's going to happen. I mean, 14 teams make the postseason here for, for the NFL. But to have Detroit win a division, Tampa Bay win a division, you know, Green Bay sneak in at the end here, the Rams, like I said, comfortably in, it's pretty nice. That's a pretty nice way for some teams to operate here. Kansas City took a bit of a step back cash-wise, as you might have seen on the field, and still won their division at, 20, at 21 in cash payroll this year. So the top paid are in. You know, Cleveland's in despite the fact that they paid out a huge quarterback salary that didn't really affect <laughs> their postseason too much this year. Baltimore's in because they paid Lamar Jackson. Let's just be frank about that. That's why we're here right now talking about this. The Jets had the third highest cash payroll this year. Um, it's a down year. What are you going to say? Four snaps in. Jets fans knew what they were in for for the rest of the season, and it didn't disappoint. There's um, not as much change coming to New York as there, as there will be for most teams that low in the draft. And it's obviously because of Aaron Rodgers and that unique situation. But for the most part, if you paid this offseason and you paid in season, you were rewarded for it. And that's always good to see. You don't want to see too much craziness and chaos. You want to see front offices knowing what the hell they're doing and paying because they simply can't get away from it, right? San Francisco's in this spot right now, the number six cash payroll because of Nick Bosa's contract, because of Debo Samuel's contract, because of Christian McCaffrey's contract, even though that was acquired and brought on some value. That's why they're number six. It ain't because of Brock Purdy, right? (laughs) It's not because of... They're secondary, all right? They pay off-ball linebackers. They pay interior defensive linemen. They pay left tackles, and they pay weapons. And that's where we are. And they're uh, handedly the number one seed, probably still the NFC favorite against Baltimore here if I had to look at DraftKings or FanDuel, which I'm not going to do. So that's cash. I'm going to break it down a little bit positionally here for you. Then we'll go specific positions, and then we'll get out of here with some Dallas Cowboys talk. If I told you that the highest cash offense in football was the Baltimore Ravens, you would believe me, because not only did they pay Lamar, but they brought an Odell Beckham on an inflated one-year contract. That worked out. All right, They drafted a bunch of first-rounders, finally, that come with big cash payouts signing bonuses. They fortified their offensive line, paid Ronnie Stanley. They've done a lot of things, right? They have been preparing for this for a long time. They are easily the highest cash paid offense in football. Kansas City, because of Mahomes and Kelsey, easily number two in. Buffalo, number three in. Philly, number five in. Dallas, number six in. Houston, number seven in. All right. The only team I had to skip there was Vegas. And they completely melted down and crumbled and lost their, their head coach and 
their starting quarterback in four weeks, whatever it was for Garoppolo. There's a lot of dollars being thrown around in Vegas that have to get cleaned up, and that's just par for the course, unfortunately, until otherwise noted. But if you're paying for your offense, it's because you're good or because you paid to get good. And in a lot of those cases, that has worked out with some of your contending teams here down the stretch. Defensively speaking, the highest paid defense in football is San Francisco, in Green Bay, in Pittsburgh, in Philly, in although that probably comes with an asterisk on a lot of moans and groans from people around the league. Tampa Bay, in. Cleveland, in. All right? Six of the top eight cash-paid defenses in football in the postseason. I miss the Jets. That's understandable. And I miss the Jaguars. Yikes. A lot of yikes on that, that roster right now. A lot of yikes in the coaching staff. A lot of yikes for the front office to decipher over the next couple of months, because that was a meltdown. They went from in the number one seed conversation to out of the postseason. And there will be some contracts that roll because of it. And maybe a quarterback contract that gets paused because of it. Let's put it that way. But point made. If you're paying offense, there's probably a reason for it. Most of them are in. If you're paying defense, which is good business, always has been in this league, you're going to get in. If you got the guys worthy of getting paid, you're going to get in. So it's really not rocket science, <laughs> all right? Let's go down to the bottom of these lists quickly and see where we, what we can find. Rams, 30th, even with Aaron Donald. Rams are 30th in cash defense in, all right? Chiefs, 26th. Man, they drafted well. They really have. They've really drafted well in that defense, and for a while it may have been the best defense in all of football. That's probably your best value right there. Detroit's in a very similar Kansas City conversation. They're 25th in the league and in and going to have to pay right? Both Kansas City and Detroit have some really big payments to make on that side of the ball. And I'm here to tell you they shouldn't neglect it. All right. For a lot of, a lot of players have walked out of Kansas City because of Mahomes, because of Kelsey, because of other contracts, Tyreek for a while. And those things don't exist anymore. Kansas City is in the postseason right now because of their defense. I don't think too many people would argue that because the offense was absolute, I don't know, idle for the most part down the stretch there are mouths to feed and they should feed them bottom of the offense in cash dollars packers 31st and just rookies everywhere you know you got jordan love on his bridge contract rookies across the board in tampa bay same situation you know godwin's high paid evans is high paid that's pretty much it baker's on a one for four that should be about seven after i run the incentives here they're in that's it. That's it. New England, no. Chargers, no. Commanders, no. Giants, no. Colts, no. Titans, no. Vikings, no. All right. If you're bottom 10 in offensive spending, A, you know it. You know what's coming. Or you have tried to play with fire too much. And uh, it bit you in the ass. So it's funny how those dichotomies work. But it seems is le at least with this trend, and this is something I've done now for a bunch of years, it seems that you can draft yourself a defense, but man, it is hard as hell to draft an offense in this league. You better be looking at every single avenue humanly possible, right? Trade, waiver claims, obviously the draft, obviously free agency, to creatively build an offense that not only works, but fits under your cap, and, a, and it provides you enough, enough depth to make it through 
18 to 22 weeks, which is what it would take to get to the Super Bowl. It's a marathon now. It's a marathon. You can't just have one pass rusher or one wide receiver. Right? Those days are long, long, long gone. Certainly not with the interior stuff in the trenches. So I'm fascinated to see where some of these teams at the bottom who are showing promise, right? Are showing promise. What will Pittsburgh do this offseason, for instance? Mike Tomlin has done it again. He's done it on value. He's done it with basically, you know, a .75 quarterback situation. Nobody really took the reins, and then injuries really decimated everything. You know, is that a Russell Wilson spot? Is that a Kirk Cousins spot? I, I, I'm fascinated with where that ends up. Is that a Justin Fields trade spot? They seem like they're a competent quarterback away under Tomlin's tutelage and with what that defense can be of really turning a corner. And oh, by the way, they may gut their wide receiver room again. They do it every three years because they dra- nobody drafts there better than Pittsburgh. So they know they can go into the second and third round right now and find their next iteration of this. Seems like there's turmoil at that position, but they have a couple of running backs. They have a tight end. They are improving their offensive line. They certainly improved over last season. Uh, They'll only continue to do that. Will they make a swing and a miss, excuse me, a home run swing at the quarterback position, bump Kenny Pickett back to a number two and roll from there? I I think it's a fascinating watch. It's one of my big top 10 things to watch this offseason is how does Mike Tomlin operate? Now, basically, I'll telling us to F off or for what, the eighth time in his career, right? We had him dead to rights. Some people had him fired. Some people had him traded by week 10, by, by week 12. It was a pretty fun roller coaster. And he, uh, he clapped back with another postseason berth and another winning season. How can they get from 20 to 10 in terms of some of these rankings? Because if they do, it may be the next version of Mike Tomlin's neck, you know, big run. He may go on another six-year stretch here. Fascinating. Um, okay. I gave you the payrolls. I gave you some offense versus defense. Let's talk specific positions and how the high-paid players at those positions will fare or won't fare over the next couple of weeks. In the- All right, one of our annual traditions here at Track. Running through the list of highest average players at each position and determining whether they made the playoffs or not. It's kitschy. <laughs> it's, it's vanity. I, I love doing it because I love seeing where the top of the market sits 20 months or so later after signing a contract or in some cases like the running back position. Three years later. Let's start with the quarterback. Joe Burrow, currently the highest paid player in terms of average salary. In the history of football, that's going to change, I think, this offseason, possibly with a player with a star on his helmet. Joe Burrow injured, of course. Cincinnati did not make the postseason, though we learned some things, right? <laughs> we certainly learned some things about where that Bengals quarterback situation is headed. Uh, Jake Browning, almost, <clears throat> can we say 105% guaranteed to come back on his $915,000 salary for next year? to back up Joe Burrow and his much larger salary, 65.7 million cash in 2024. Uh, I think they'll take that one-two punch, even though that's an absurd amount of money. How about top five quarterbacks? Joe Burrow, no. Justin Herbert, no. Lamar, of course. Jalen, barely. Russell Wilson, no. 
not great. <laughs> not great. But I think we've learned uh, even more so. This is still the position. So when I do all these tweets and they're quarterback centric, it's not an accident. I'm not just doing it for likes or for validation. All right. The Atlanta Falcons are exhibit A, B, C, D, and E that you can have a ton of talent and you can improve pretty much everywhere on your roster. But if you neglect to do much with your quarterback position and you try to value play yourself into it, be careful what you wish for. Cause, uh, that's a team that should have handedly won that division, in my opinion, based on what the preseason looked like. And I think the moves that they made and they were miscoached and mis GM'd in terms of how the, how important finding a legitimate quarterback was. So not a great look for the top of the market right now, but injury is certainly a factor in one of that. I, uh, I preface the running back situation. It's still McCaffrey for those of you who don't know. And uh, he's been making about $12 million a year with San Francisco for the past year and a half. I don't think that'll change next year. They may do a little bit of a restructure on this contract. There's still two years left on McCaffrey's contract. Certainly, he's going into the postseason, uh, probably going to end up a top five MVP candidate. He's in. Alvin Kamara is out. Jonathan Taylor is in. Excuse me, out. Derrick Henry, out. Nick Chubb in two for five on the top five running back pay. pay. Not great, <laughs> but we've seen that trend only get worse and worse. So that's um, aligning with the market. Let's put it that way. Wide receivers. Tyreek is in. Devante is not. Cooper's in. AJ Brown in, but may not be playing. And Stefan Diggs in. That's probably not an accident, right? I know there's a plethora of necessary wide receivers and more young talent coming in every single year. Uh, you need a guy who is a one, 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 a alpha who can separate. And when you got them, not that any of these guys I just mentioned really kind of uh, help their teams down the stretch more or less, but when you got them, you're going to give yourself a chance. And that's how it works. Tight ends. Man, what a fascinating year for tight ends. Just so many injuries, so many weird, I don't know, declines. Can we say declines? I think if you were a fantasy owner in any regard, this position frustrated the living bejesus out of you. Darren Waller, out. TJ Hawkinson, out. George Kittle, in. Travis Kelsey, in. Dallas Goddard, in. Three for five. Probably about where we should be. Let's go to the O-line. It's going to be a good year for the O-line. Laramie Tunzel in. Andrew Thomas out. Trent Williams way in. Bakhtiari, he's not going to be there, but that Packers team in. And Chris Lindstrom, the aforementioned Falcons, not in. Um, going to be some shakeup here for sure with a lot of these top offensive linemen. The, the slide from tackle pay to guard pay is, is continuing to... Let's just say the gap is closing more and more, right? Um, more so that Chris Lindstrom, a guard, is top five in offensive line average pay right now. Quentin Nelson is seventh. Uh, that train is coming. There's no question about it based on how college offices are being structured and how that is translating to NFL football. It's just sort of the package right now. So that's, um, that's something to monitor here. If you've got a high-paid, high-priced left tackle, that's not going to change for the most part. 
you know, players like Deion Dawkins going to get paid handsomely, Christian Derrissaw going to get paid handsomely over the couple next couple of uh, months or so. But it's not just one or two positions anymore on that offensive line getting really good pay. There's going to be four, four well-paid offensive linemen, in my opinion. And maybe you can you can slip on your right guard a little bit. Defensive tackles, Aaron Donald's in. Quinnen Williams is not. Jeffrey Simmons is not. Deron Payne is not. Dexter Lawrence is not. This is fascinating shit to me, all right? Because this is a position maybe 18 months ago that I was, I was basically putting on high alert right there with running back saying, look, th- this should be something that unless it's Aaron Donald, right? Unless it's an absolute hybrid unicorn, that team probably are going to decide we're just going to be flipping in and out veteran minimum players every single off season because you get guys on the edge who you know can put three fingers down and go and, and stop the run. They're just not quick enough and strong enough to get to the quarterback anymore. And we're seeing a lot of that translate, right? To some degree, Melvin Engram is, is a bit of that right now for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, you watched the Sunday Night Football game last night. He's a bit of a doing everything guy. He's not, he's not at the level where he's going to have 17 sacks, right? No question. But you ask him to do a little bit of everything on basically, what, $2 million this year, $4 million last year? That's where it's going. So you can... You can have a trickle-down effect with this interior defensive lineman and keep things kind of cheap. Except that's not what's happening, right? Teams are still drafting these players, top 10, top 15. And I'm not going to say don't do that because the rookie contract is certainly something you can buy off of. But man, we have seven interior defensive linemen right now earning 20 million plus. We have 13 at 15 million plus. It's a lot of money. And when you start to factor in this position versus the left tackle, the wide receiver, the cornerback, the safety, the edge defender, the quarterback, of course, where does it rank? You know, I, if you sat down with 10 GMs and, and posed this question, where would interior defensive linemen in terms of pay importance rank? There's a lot of front offices fortifying tons of cash and cap at this position with one player. And I'm not sure I agree with that. All right, you need six. <laughs> it's an injury prone position. It is a it is a role position, right? You've got guys who are extremely good on first and second down because they they lean towards run defense. You're guys that want to go to the quarterback and want to simply rush in three, four down sets. I just think that this might be a an about turn here soon. What are we doing? Washington Commanders paying four of these players. I know that they're getting killed for the trades they made in Montez Sweat and Chase Young. I think it was really good work. I think they looked around the room and said, what are we doing right now? Why is one side of the ball so dysfunctional and the other side of the ball literally operating at a surplus? And we have the opportunity to balance this out. Oh, and by the way, Garner us a bunch of super important draft picks that can help us not only fix that side of the ball, but do it with value. I, I think it's one of the most underrated situations of the year. Now, the fact that, that it went four years and they didn't do this, that's probably their problem. <laughs> but you got teams, right? The Giants are trying to do this. The 49ers have been afforded the opportunity to do this because of value everywhere else on the roster. And they know it. And they know it. They're playing with house money in a lot of positions. 
I just want to, this is something to monitor. It's not an accident that Aaron Donald sits alone. All right. In, in this entire situation with where this belongs, four of the top 10 are in the postseason right now. That's it. So something to watch. All right. Edge defenders. As you can imagine, let's just go DEs here. Bosa's in, Garrett's in, Montez Sweat, not in, Max Crosby, not in, Trey Henderson, not in. Bit of an anomaly, but Bosa and Garrett certainly deserve to be light years ahead here. And by the way, Micah Parsons is coming. That contract is now eligible. Let's go. We'll be talking about Dallas Cowboys contracts very soon and very prevalently. TJ Watt in, though probably not playing, unfortunately. Joey Bosa, not in. Rashawn Gary, in with the Packers. Khalil Mack, not in. Bradley Chubb in, though not playing. So a couple of terrible injury situations. It was a banged up position for much of 2023. And uh, unfortunately, down the stretch, it may impact some, some team situations and their ability to advance. The off-ball linebacker, it was a really good year for this position. Uh, another one where you've got a lot of front offices just saying, hell no. All right, we're going to the draft. We're going to the end of the first round, into the second round to find really talented players who can get us 120 tackles, who can cover some, you know, some tight ends on, on a weekly basis, do all the things that are important. And, and by the way, probably captain the, uh, the defense, which is you know, still what this role is asked to do. But the C.J. Mosleys, the Fred Warners, the Roquan Smiths, the Pasha Queens, the Demario Davises, the Jerome Bakers, these are the names you're hearing every week, all right? I, I don't know that the pay is ever going to keep up. It's going to feel running backish soon, if not already. But these players are as important as any other player on the position on the field. They know it. They are the quarterback of the defense still to this day, even with all the shifts and the mindsets and the, and the scheming changes. This is the captain of that defense. So you, you can understand that a couple of teams have to say, we, we just can't lose this guy not because of the production and the stats, but because of everything else. This is, a this is a position that will be paid on intangibles, and there's probably no end in sight for that. So Roquan's in, Fred Warner's in, Tremaine Edmonds out, CJ Mosley out. Plenty of big names on this list, though, if you want to uh, understand the difference between certain franchises. And it, it really is. It is a, it is a team decision of will we go all in at this position and understand that keeping this guy happy financially and elsewhere is just going to trickle down to the rest of our defense. It's a fascinating situation. Fortunately, that's not how it works for the running backs. They have just decided that that, that position is turnkey and there's no turning back. Cornerbacks, Jair Alexander in, Denzel Ward in, Marshawn Lattimore out, Marlon Humphrey in, Trevon Diggs in. Good year for that. I can keep going down this list. Jalen Ramsey in. X Howard in. Tredavious White in. Carlton Davis in. So they know what they're doing. <laughs> right? It's a position of importance. When these, these players play well, generally their defenses play well. It's an, out, it's an outside in now situation where uh, the edge rushers aren't getting home as quickly because quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball quicker, which puts more onus on secondaries which only makes secondaries more financially beneficial. And that's why this year we have two players over 20 million a year at this position, and there are more coming. 
No question in my mind. Safety. Derwin James, no. Minka Fitzpatrick, yes. Jamal Adams, no. Jesse Bates, no. Harrison Smith, no. Weird year. Super weird year. A bunch of these guys probably should have been released out of their contracts, you know, prior to. Uh, you know Jamal Adams is going to be. Uh, it was just, it's been a nightmare ride in Seattle with that contract and that trade and everything. Uh, it's not to, the, not to the level of Russell Wilson, but it's funny that Seattle is dealing with that, but also benefiting off the Russell Wilson situation. So it's a bit of a yin and a yang. Uh, I can keep going down this list, by the way. Justin Simmons, no. Buda Baker, no. Eddie Jackson, no. Quandre Diggs, no. Marcus Williams, yes. A lot of no's, all right? Seven out of 10 no's there in terms of safety and playoffs. And of course, our special teamers. Justin Tucker, yep. Matt Gay, no. Graham Gano, no. Jason Myers, no. Tyler Bass, yes. So in terms of overall, the majority, I would say, of highest, actual number one highest paid at the position are going to find at least one week of postseason. But it's at about a 60% clip, which is about average. That's about where we sit every single year. Um, it's not an accident to me that McCaffrey's in. It's not an accident to me that Tyreek is in. All right. They can change games. They can change games simply because of how much significantly better than most weapons on the field they are. Um, the fascinating watch now that we're officially in off season mode for 18 teams and pretty much every front office is already thinking about 2024, which is why m the majority of my tweets now will be going forward and not looking backwards. Which one, wh what are these markets are going to get reset? You know, we talked about the quarterback. We can, we can spend a minute on that. I do think deck at least resets that 55 that Burrow currently sits at. There's a lot of talk about 60, He's not mathematically a $60 million quarterback. However, he, he's probably going to be the MVP runner-up, which does nothing, right? But, but basically say, oh, look at me. I'm here, as does his team, as does his owner, as does the primetime television package that he's on, as does the combination of him and CeeDee Lamb. And to me, that is what's going to drive this price to historic numbers. I put a tweet out last week, kind of just having fun because it was too early to do it, but it, it's in my brain, so I might as well put it in other people's brains, that there's a, I'd say 75% chance that Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, and Micah Parsons, all eligible this offseason, all probably necessary this offseason in terms of contract extensions, become the highest average paid player and probably guaranteed player at their position in NFL history, all three. There's a world where it's 200 million guaranteed at signing for all three combined, maybe 300 million, depending on how Dak is structured this time around. But that's probably going to happen in Dallas. And if you are a media company <laughs> that, that follows the NFL, that is the sweetest music you've heard all holiday season because Money plus Jerry Jones plus Dallas Cowboys plus interest is a ratings goldmine. So it's coming. Dak's coming. He's got a $61 million cap hit next year. They're not just going to process a cap conversion on that. Let me uh, break that news right now. They're going to extend him. 
and he has done more than enough to reestablish himself as a top five quarterback in this league. And when you're there, that's enough. That's enough to reset the market. Uh, CeeDee Lamb could not have done more <laughs> in terms of the wide receiver. Now, we've talked about this a little bit too. There is kind of a packing order at this position, right? T- Tyreek Hill lives at $30 million a year. It's fluffy, all right? That last salary was kind of built in there to get it to 30. He's never going to see that last salary of $45 million cash. Devontae's contract was super similar. He's at $28 a year. So if you look at those two, and if you just throw those two away, the Cooper Cup at 26-7, but again, it was his third contract, is kind of the, I'm air quoting, real high mark in terms of wide receiver pay. A.J. Brown's 25 in, ten, in Philadelphia, excuse me. That is the rookie extension ceiling right now. So that is A.J. Brown's second contract. He was extended off his rookie contract at $25 million a year. That's kind of the number that we utilize for all these guys coming out of a rookie deal, all right? It's sort of the NBA model. There's a rookie extension, there's a veteran extension, and then we go from there. This is kind of the only position sort of still in this this pecking order. It remains to be seen if CeeDee Lamb and his agent can approach Jerry Jones and establish him as 30 million plus, right? Is CeeDee Lamb worthy of going to the very, very top? blowing past all the guys even in their third and fourth contract? Or does the conversation have to start at A.J. Brown's $25 million? I can tell you right now, just on merit, just on production, using all of the players, not just players in rookie extensions, he's a $28.4 million value on our system. All right? He doesn't have Tyreek Hill numbers. Because there isn't another Tyreek Hill in the NFL, all right? Tyreek does a little bit of everything. He is an everywhere, everywhere, everywhere player. CeeDee Lamb has a role. That role has expanded. He demanded that that role expand this year, and he delivered, and so did his quarterback. So CeeDee Lamb came into 2023 barely a $20 million player. And that is no joke, all right? He just simply didn't have the consistency to warrant what was happening. He had a very good 2021, an excellent 2022, and he started to catch some touchdown passes. And then he blew the doors off this year. All right. 135 catches, 1750 yards, 12 touchdowns. He had some drops. All right. But everything about this year, 13 yards per catch, everything about this year said, I am the new alpha in this league. I'm 24, almost not actually I'm still a few months away from 25 years old. That's going to benefit him. He's going to sign this contract as a 24-year-old. That's going to benefit him. So I can tell you right now, the, the floor is, 20, is over $28 million, which is Devonta Adams. So there's no reason in my mind that Torrey Dandy, who is a wide receiver contract guru, right? We're talking Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, et cetera, et cetera, should be able to sit back here and say $30 million is the floor now. And this guy's 24, and this guy plays for the Dallas Cowboys, and we know exactly where this needs to go. Now, Torrey Dandy has been a short contract preference for the past, I don't know, three, four off seasons. That's fascinating because technically speaking, Lamb's under contract with his fifth-year option next year at $18 million. So could you do a three-year extension? 
instead of a five, you know how Jerry Jones likes to work. We've talked about that quite a bit. He'd rather have CD Lamb under contract for 10 years, right? That ain't going to happen, especially with this agency. But how short will it be? You know, common sense says we got to get this guy out by 2930, which would put him into a three-year extension at most, four-year total value. That'd be my guess. So do you, are we doing three at 32? Possibly. Converting the fifth year into a signing bonus, add an option bonus in year two. We'll see. But the guarantees on this should be outstanding. And if we're just talking wide receiver guarantees, there's not a lot to get to. Cooper Cup kind of holds that, that banner right now at $75 million, And that's on a shorter contract. So... He did a three-year, $80 million extension, pretty much fully guaranteed. There's a world where we just adjust that up at $32 million a year, 85% of that guaranteed, and we go. Because that's where CeeDee Lamb is right now. And, oh, by the way, if Dallas does, wins a couple of postseason games, that's only going to elevate this conversation. I don't even need to break down Michael Parsons. You know where this thing's headed. Did he have the best year of his career? No. No, he didn't stand out quite as much as he has in the past. Nor, and he's not going to, you know, he's going to have years where he's asked to do more. I, I think the defense, yeah, they kind of faltered through the middle of the season, maybe got a little banged up, maybe got a little complacent. They're, they're rounding back into the form here, you know, and this is the time of year where Micah Parsons maybe saves some juice for. Again, he knows what's coming here. He knows all the numbers. He knows that Nick Bosa completely broke the system, right? This past off season at 34 million a year. That's where we're headed. And in terms of guarantees, it's going to be Bosa again here, right? 88 million guaranteed at signing 122.5, which is over 20 million more than his brother, who was the top of the mountain prior to. So you're, you're looking at, you know, 125 guaranteed, 35 million a year as just minimums for Micah Parsons. The numbers are going to be insane. All right. Just absolutely insane. So the, uh, the power positions that Dallas needs to pay, not to mention a couple of offensive linemen, right? Tyron Smith, a pending free agent and Zach Martin probably has to get replaced at this point in time because of the injury prone stuff. So tons and tons of money coming right out of Dallas this offseason, prob- probably within the next couple of weeks. Uh, and the fascinating part is none of these guys are really for pending free agents. So it's going to be creative contract extension structure that we'll do some projection work on and try to make it all fit from a cap perspective. Because as of right now, and we'll kind of finish up on this Dallas conversation, we have for 2024, based on a 242.5 cap, Dallas at minus 11. Uh, a lot of that's DAC with this 60 million cap hit. So you, drop, you, you cut that in half with an extension if you do things properly, quite frankly. So gonna be, there's going to be some wiggle room there, you know, and I'm, I'm working on my off-season pieces right now where I'm offering up a dozen or so ways to, to free up cap space for every single team in the league. I'm giving you the notable free agents, talking a little bit about the, how the 2023 campaign went, and just offering a literally bulleted list of here's all the ways I can see this team freeing up cap space, whether it's a trade, an extension, a cap conversion, an outright release, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm I'm feverishly trying to get through the entire league. It's obviously a lot of work, 
Uh, I'm excited to get to Dallas because it's extension heavy. And that generally means I get to be a little bit more creative with how I think about things. But that's the plan. That's what I'm working on right now with some off-season stuff. You know the free agents. It's not the greatest list in the history of the world. And a lot of the names that you care about are going to get tagged. Kirk Cousins isn't one of them because he can't be tagged. But there's a lot of names out there that are going to get pulled back. And we have to talk about then tagging trades, tagging extensions, et cetera, et cetera. Lots to get to. It's a unbelievably busy time of year for guys like me who follow this stuff. But I love answering questions this time of year. If you're completely in the dark, if you think we have something wrong, if you have no idea what dead cap means, if you need to understand how cap conversions work and why I'm not calling them restructures anymore, by the way, um, anything, incentive-based stuff, at SpotTrack on Twitter, at SpotTrack on threads, you know where to find me. Happy to answer as many questions as humanly possible as I ascertain the 2024 offseason and break things down from there.